Gaming History 101. Extra credit. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Extra Credits. I am your host, Jam, aka Jamalais, on the Gamer Tags and the Twitters. And in today's episode, I'm just going to be reflecting back on the year in gaming that was 2017. A look back on that interesting year where we've had highs lows and everything in between when it comes to our wonderful hobby of gaming fred of course has covered this already in his own uh, version of extra credit which he recorded solo recently which was really interesting and i highly recommend checking it out but really what this is is just my own take on the year and just um well, you know, what happened and what I think about some things. And if I have a bit of time at the end, I might actually talk about some of my games of the year as well. But what I thought I would do is I was going to just kind of go through each company first and, well, and maybe cover a little bit of the news. And yeah, it's really just my take on things. So let's really just roll right into it. The first company I really want to start with and the one that surprised me the most was Nintendo because I've got quite a bit to say about uh, Nintendo and the Nintendo Switch of course which was really the success story of 2017 in my opinion and for me as well and the biggest surprise for me when I came into 2017 in January um, the Switch had kind of partially been revealed but we obviously had that big reveal in January that showed off more of the system what it's doing and you had that funny funny advert with the guy walking his dog and you know the guys playing basketball in real life and then they set the switches down and play basketball on the switch you know because <laughs> of course and we all had a bit of a chuckle about it but I was very skeptical on the Nintendo Switch when we came into the year I'm I was just confused of who the system is for I remember a lot of my friends around me were and even online were very they, they were quite keen on it they were already pretty sold and I was I was very skeptical I just thought, well, you know, this whole off TV play, they're kind of doing that with the Wii U, it didn't really work out. But more to the point for me is that I was thinking, well, we've got portable devices, you know, we've got 3DSs, we've got Vitas. Um, Vita, of course, maybe might be the reason why I was so skeptical because that system just did not do well at all. And of course, you know, mobile devices, mobile devices are still doing very well to this day. I thought, why do people want to take this system out and about? I'm always interested in new systems, but I didn't think that this would be a system that would do well the general audience really but boy was i proven wrong because when march rolled around didn't this system sell really well now before i go on obviously to the success of it other things that i was a little bit skeptical about was there's very low there wasn't much memory on it yes i know that the wii u didn't have much memory on it you know the black system only had 32 gigabytes and the white system only had eight gigabytes so i just found it odd that you know this new console was just a 32 gigabyte system there was a lot of hidden costs you know to upgrade the memory you had to get these little sd cards much better than the playstation vita which relied on proprietary memory cards which was just stupid and they still ask for a crazy sum of money online to this day so there were things that were improved but i don't know i just looked at the hardware and just it's not because it wasn't powerful enough i just didn't didn't really understand really what nintendo was going for yet um but again so as i was just saying march rolls around and you know great games were released with the system zelda came out which just of course is a great thing to start your system off with they did do that with the wii i believe originally with twilight princess which is a good starting point come out of the big guns um no mario at this stage but mario would release this year and uh, which is again another reason why the switch did so well this year yeah you had bomberman r i know people don't rave about bomberman r but it was a game it, it had games that came out not a lot of games and that's actually something where i started to realize uh, nintendo might actually know what they are doing 
doing here. Now, the reason I say that is that Nintendo kind of sowed those seeds early in terms of game release schedule when the Wii U was out. So one thing I really noticed and praised about that system is that people might not have realized it, but Nintendo was very gradually releasing games. They weren't releasing like loads of games at once, like say the PlayStation 4 does over the September period or the you know, the like, end of year period. or um, And then you have that little drought over summer. The Wii U, if you look very carefully, had a at least some major release every month now i know that might not sound amazing to you maybe you think well you know i i want to play more games than that but depending on the type of gamer you are i mean certainly this is the type of gamer i don't need loads of games every month i find it kind of overwhelming and it means that i can't really spend a lot of time um, with that game really and enjoying it and Nintendo had that down quite early on uh, with the Wii U I remember you know they sort of you know, they released say Bayonetta 2 one month and they released Yoshi's Willy World one month I'm getting these way out of order of release but but it would always be they released major titles and they'd feel significant now of course they would have you know games released like indie games on their online virtual store they did also the same thing with the 3DS as well the 3DS seemed to stagger its releases too quite strategically and quite cleverly actually with the slight exception this year where they'd release three titles back to back to back to back where they did like Metopia, that brain training game and uh, that Pikmin game all at once. Um, but even that, that seemed like that was a clever release because it was with the you know the new 2DX um, XL, which we'll probably touch on a little bit later as well. But again, even with the 3DS, it was staggered monthly releases, something very, very important every month to sort of keep you interested in these systems. And yes, the Wii U wasn't massively popular. The 3DS was massively popular and still kind of does have a, but a lot of popularity to it, especially with Pokemon games. But they carried that forward to the Switch. So the Switch may not have started off amazingly. So you may have looked at that launch line before, eh, you know, it's not that great, you know, you've got your Zelda, because after all, I think that's pretty much the main title most people play. A lot of people brought that system just to play Zelda, in fact. Um, if you look at how the Switch released games later on, it's always a major release every month. There is a little poster online of Nintendo showing their release schedule as well with the Switch and even the 3DS as well. And there's always one major release every month, you know, so you've got, say, one month it's Fire Emblem Warriors, one month it's... Um, Mario Kart, one month it's Mario Odyssey, Xenoblade Chronicles X was the December one, so something important every month. Now it may not be your type of game, and that is completely fine, but you, it is a major release, something to keep people interested, and maybe even something to look forward to. And on top of that, I feel that the Switch has been a system that has brought back the yay in indie titles again, really. Remember back with the Xbox 360? I certainly remember that in the Xbox 360 in its early days where the Xbox Live Arcade was this really cool, exciting thing where you'd get these you know, small releases of indie titles, or not necessarily indie titles, but like arcade games would come there, and it would be really cool. You know, just a small stream of titles to look forward to. Well, the Switch for now, and I'm going to hold my breath because I feel that this will drastically change in the future, appears to be the new home of the, you know, the indies to get their due, basically. So indies are being released on this Switch, and it's a great place to play it because I was always fond of playing uh, my indie games on the Vita, uh, but now the Switch seems the place to do it, and they've been released very consistently on that the we uh i keep saying that we i do apologize the switch store or the switch online store the e-store that's what it's called but they've been releasing them steadily on the e-store so you've always got something cool to play although we are starting to see the i guess what we call the venom don't we the the venom of games starts coming in the ones that we don't you know why is that being released on there but for now it doesn't feel like there's too much of that sort of title but all of the indie titles that are being released are quite significant and it feels like there is something 
for everybody to enjoy on the system so far. And um, and more importantly, these indie developers are getting much more exposure and their sales are doing much better on the Switch than they are doing on even PC, where it's just you know, areas like Steam are becoming quite saturated, or even play, um, even on the PlayStation Store, where so many titles are being released, it's hard for a lot of things just to get noticed. And the Switch just seems to be the place where indie developers are getting some more exposure and they can get noticed, especially when the game is really good quality and really good as well. The Switch has really just been this massive, massive success story. So I, I've been really happy, and I've been, I'm always, always really happy to be proven wrong when you know I come into um, a year and I and I, I think things are not going to go well. And it's fantastic to say for me to turn around and go, yo, I was wrong. Yeah, this system is actually for everybody. <laughs> Everyone can have fun with this, whether you're young, you're old. I guess really not every type of gamer, you know. There's, but say 2017 feels like a year that whatever type of gamer you are, there was a game for you somewhere in this sort of backlog of masses of um, content, really. Yeah, whether it was you know, PC, Microsoft, Sony, wherever, uh, there is something for you somewhere. But the Switch was certainly a massive success story, and um, I I'm really pleased to see it succeed as well. And I hope that it continues, but I guess a I hope I have moving forward though is that the the Switch continues to kind of focus on its quality, but. I guess, you know, whenever things get popular, and especially when it sends millions and millions of units, you know, we generally see the flood of the shovel where it happened with the Wii, it'll probably happen the Switch, but hey, maybe I will be proved wrong again, and that'll be good to see. <laughs> but of course, the Switch is a great place for the, indie, uh, not just the indie stuff, the retro stuff has, of course, flourished on the Switch, which is something that um, I might cover a bit more later in this show, because Fred sort of did that quite well, actually, where he lists a lot of the retro games. But, you know, we saw a lot of the you know old arcade games being re-released onto the Switch, um, eShop, and, of course, the Versus arcade games from Nintendo being released there. Um, and, of course, lots of retro-inspired indie games. But the the big retro thing from Nintendo this year was, of course, the Super Nintendo Mini, which um, got both um, controversy and praise in different ways. The controversy, of course, being the uh, the shortage, really, like the Nintendo the NES Mini, which was in which is very difficult to find even though i had no trouble finding it i just simply walked into a store and brought it one day i mean it was the last one left in stock and i seemed to get lucky and this was weeks after the thing was released but i came prepared this time i thought i would pre-order the super nintendo mini because i thought ah oh, there's no way i would get lucky twice uh well, I was wrong about that, so because, yeah, weeks after the Super Nintendo release, I walked into another store and there was one there. I didn't buy that one because I'd already um, pre-ordered it, although I kind of wish I brought it now. Not for me, but for somebody else, but uh, when I went back there, it was sold. There doesn't seem to be a shortage, basically. Nintendo did address the shortage. Started out, you know, it was impossible to find it, and these uh, systems were going for crazy amounts of money in places like CEX and online, but it looked like Nintendo got their act together and said, nope, don't fall for the scalper thing, we are going to release more of them and it feels like they really sort of addressed that this time and um, the Super Nintendo Mini is just to me feels like the perfect Christmas present or the perfect present really in this year uh, even even in 2018 actually um, for the retro lover really 21 Super Nintendo games one of those which was never ever released before in the form of Star Fox 2 and it was good to see that it's good to see Nintendo show a bit of love for their old stuff and uh, that kind of felt like the cemented reason for I guess retro lovers to purchase this system I mean, well of course you know yes you can get the ROM online but you know if you wanted a 
a you know an official Nintendo product that has this game on it. Here it is, and uh, I I love the Super Nintendo Mini. I really like the, the Nintendo Mini. Yes, I do play both of them. I still do actually. They just connect straight. They just connect to my TV uh, via USB, and then you plug it in and you play. And they are just tons of fun. And the main the main reason why uh, I think I've mentioned this before why I do love these Nintendo Mini systems is that I didn't grow up with Nintendo um, systems. I was a Sega guy, so for me it feels like rediscovering these things again for the first time. I probably felt that more with the NES Mini than I did with the Super Nintendo Mini because I never had an NES and, um, and I didn't play a lot of those games either so that was really kind of special and quite fun whereas with the Super Nintendo I have played a lot of those games sort of through emulation or, or well actually to be honest I purchased a lot of those games on say the, uh, the the Wii or the Wii U or even the 3DS to be honest so so I've played at least probably more than half of the catalogue but it was still nice to have this nice little collection I felt the price was appropriate over here the Super Nintendo Mini was I believe £79 and you know you had two controllers as well which felt well worth the price of entry too. I love retro systems that sort of bring people together you know you had two controllers although it did feel like there really wasn't a lot of games that you could play together. Contra just seems to be the main standout title to me and of course Street Fighter 2 <laughs> which actually seems quite funny doesn't it with Street Fighter 2 because that was obviously released on the Switch as well as its own well like the whatever, whatever it was the another one street fighter 2 another one on the switch <laughs> and uh, you can play that whereas you could just get the super nintendo minutes there as well and then of course we've got the 30th anniversary um edition of street fighter coming out next year which i'm quite looking forward to actually i'm a ter i'm terrible at fighting games but that game is interesting my um my wife is a she's quite into street fight so we'll probably play that together but i you'll never catch me playing those games online because i just i just won't last five seconds that's the super nintendo mini but it, it came out it did well people were generally happy with how nintendo addressed the issue and are we gonna see the n64 mini next year i Personally, my prediction is no. I think it'll be more like a Game Boy Mini next. Or, but then again, it probably won't be a Game Boy Mini, will it? It'll just be the Game Boy Brick system, but it'll just have Game Boy games preloaded into it. And I would love that. I'd love to see them do a Game Boy Mini and a yeah, Game Boy Color Mini. They probably won't. They'll probably do both of them together, won't they? They'll probably combine Game Boy and uh, Game Boy Color as one. Or and then I'd like to see a Game Boy Advance one. Absolutely. Why not just redo the S, you know, the SP system, like Game Boy Advance SP, where you got the fold out thing. That was cool. Those would be systems I think would be. Really interesting but it'd be nice to see them put more games into them unlike the i mean i know it's about quality over quantity but there's quite a lot of classic titles on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance, of course. Yeah, I think we probably will see an N64 Mini in the future. The reason I've always felt that it makes sense is because they've released those ROMs onto the Wii U Virtual Console, and no doubt we'll probably see those re-released on the Switch in some form. We just don't know how yet. So I think it's on the horizon. I'll be interested to see what happens with the controller, though, because, you know, that N64 controller, at least the official one, is quite big. I mean, is Nintendo going to adjust that? Are they also going to make it um, compatible with four controllers is the thing I'm very interested in. And I know people have put their wish list already saying, oh yeah, put Goldeneye on it, put Goldeneye on it. Yeah, probably not going to happen. But hey, if I'm wrong, fantastic. We'll see Goldeneye on the <laughs> N64 Mini. I just, yeah, I don't think so. The final success story that people may not have realised is 3DS has still been doing very, very, very well for Nintendo. It is probably more of a silence system in the background, people don't know. But you know, that system has been continuously selling well. They re-released another version of the console, the 2DS XL this year i didn't buy it i didn't see the need to i already have a sorry i should call it the the new 2d 
Deus Exile, that silly title. <laughs> so, because of course they've got all their different iterations. I already have the what they call the new 3DS XL, so which I, I guess is probably the most definitive version of that system you can get. So I'm happy with that. I didn't need to repurchase this, but it, I have to say, even I was slightly tempted. You know, pretty colours, pretty colours, <laughs> always always draws you in, doesn't it? But it, again, it brought back a bit more life to that system. It made more awareness to it. It was very cleverly released. I thought it was released around the uh, the Switch. I think it might be released in a similar era to the Switch actually in March where they released it with three additional games which I mentioned earlier and it was the right price it was only over here $129.99 the 2DS XL was a cheaper system a huge backlog of games you know you can play all of your old DS games on it uh, backward compatibility guys and all of your 3DS games on it just without the 3D and it of course had the extra you know hardware power so yeah you can play your Xenoblade Chronicles and your Fire Emblem Warriors on it if you want to if you don't have a Switch and of course the Super Nintendo games um, can be played from the eStore and uh, the Binding of Isaac I don't think there's a lot of games that are specifically compatible with the new 3DS lineup but but it had that and it was a right it was a good price uh, for people especially i think if you've got like young maybe if you've got if you're a family you've got younger gamers this is a great entry point for them because you've got so many games that you can throw at them and um, maybe if you just aren't really sold on the switch yet this is a nice little place to be or you know maybe you just want both because you know you're a nintendo fan <laughs> so the, the 3ds has still continues to do well and nintendo has continued to support it yeah you know the the system isn't as powerful as the switch that is very notable if you play it now but i still think it's great i myself played uh, quite a few games on the 3ds this year which i'll probably see if we have time at the end i'll share those with you plenty plenty to play on the 3ds system or 2ds system whatever you want to call it god that's it's just so confusing isn't it overall a fantastic year for nintendo and probably just one of the biggest wins i think um, from a company is, you know turning things around you know people clearly were not happy with the wii or the wii u just failed to gain mainstream traction but the switch just comes out and just everybody is all over it and loving it as well and i love it too i'm very happy i purchased the switch specifically actually for my friend really um, i didn't buy it for him it's for me of course a friend of mine sadly he developed a brain tumor but he was the best man at my wedding i should say uh, and i thought as a treat as a thing for his success and getting through it i said to him well when when all said and done, once you've had your surgery and once you've done your recovery, we're going to sit in outside in the garden somewhere. We're going to play some Mario Kart. So I brought the Switch just to kind of create that moment, basically, just for the trailer. Should have been something from a TV trailer, shouldn't it? But and we did that. And um, one of my favourite memories of that is when we. This is the day I was getting married as well. We sat outside a like a little little house and it was a just a landscape of country around us and we were on some garden chairs and a little table. We prop the um, prop the Switch up and we're playing Mario Kart. I just remember him saying. It's a bit cold, isn't it? Should we go inside? And I just think that just made that moment. You know, you're trying to create this Kodak picture moment in your head and then we just, we ruin it by saying it's cold. Let's go inside and play it there on TV. <laughs> so we did. Worth it just for that. And of course, I've hold on, held on to the system since then and um, enjoyed it thoroughly. This is pretty much where I like to play all of my indie games and have recently purchased Super Mario Odyssey, but I haven't played it yet. <laughs> but I didn't buy Zelda either. So I didn't buy the main Nintendo titles, but I will get there eventually. It's just too many games to play, guys. So let's now move on, shall we? Let's go to Microsoft. Probably they'd be the runner-up for the... Microsoft did both good and bad, really, this year. Um, maybe we should start with the... Yeah, let's go around in this order I've put it in, where we'll start with the bad. 
Early on in the year, uh, Microsoft cancelled a game that I was looking forward to, which was Scalebound. They showed a lot of footage at E3, and it looked like a solid game, and it looked interesting. Uh, I'm quite a big fan of games like Lost Planet 2. I mean, if anyone's ever played that, I guess similar comparisons to Lost Planet 2 now are maybe Monster Hunter-type stuff, where you know, you're trying to take down a really, really big monster with a team of people. And Scalebound basically looked like that with dragons, really. It looked interesting, and I was quite sold on it. And it just felt nice to see Microsoft have something exclusive. And then it was thrown away. I mean, we've heard all sorts of details. Oh, the game wasn't that good. Oh, it wasn't done very well. But I always feel let down when you see so much footage of a game, especially at E3, where they hype you up for these games, and then they just crash your expectations by saying, yep, not coming out. And not only that, guys, not only is Scalebound not coming out, but um, <laughs> Crackdown 3, that game that we were, you were supposed to be excited for, and Sea of Thieves are not coming out till 2018. Crackdown I am excited for, but Sea of Thieves I just don't know I, mean, I don't really play online with a lot of people anymore i don't really have a, a group of friends to play with online so games like that don't appeal to me if i had a close group of friends that i could sit down regularly with my xbox and have a decent decent internet connection with then i can this sort of game might appeal to me but crackdown free a game i can play by myself and happily enjoy and i've been a huge fan of the series even one and even two i didn't mind that i actually thought two was pretty good i know people hate that game yeah i was looking forward to crackdown but it's not coming out till next year and it sort of feels like is it might just be more the same but hey We'll see. We'll see what happens. One of the big wins, though, for Microsoft that people might keep forgetting about is backwards compatibility. So the main thing, of course, was original Xbox <laughs> backwards compatibility. And the reason I chuckle, I laugh, is because it really just came out. I don't think Microsoft made it apparent or even anybody noticed. <laughs> At least from my perspective, it felt like, oh, look, we've got original Xbox games are out now. OK, moving on. Let's go on to something else. <laughs> so it just feel like a little fast bit of news from them. But original Xbox backwards compatibility arrived. Um, we had a games re-re-re-released -re -re such as Star Wars Night's Dear Republic, Crimson Skies, a game that really did not get the appreciation it did back in the day, and Blood Rain 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, I don't mind it when bad games actually get re-released. I love it. You know, if it was up to me, and I've said this before previously, I'd, it would have the entire Xbox, original Xbox um, library be re-released. Uh, good, bad, whatever. I, I just love it. Let's just bring it all out. They all came out um, all came out at a reasonable price, I believe. I think they're $7.99 over here um, in the UK. I, I did a brief YouTube video where I, I talked about Crimson Skies. I did record one for Black as well, but I don't think I ever released that. Maybe I should. Black was that infamous first-person shooter which I replayed on the Xbox One and had a bit of fun with actually and then I booted it up on the original Xbox and um, yeah it's still fun it's just maybe just not as shiny but it's still good and I love backwards compatibility it's a shame really that backwards compatible statistically I believe it doesn't do as well as people think i think they i mean the last one i ever heard was they said i think around 30 percent maybe 35 percent of gamers actually use backwards compatibility but i really do love the microsoft support center it's not just the original xbox games that they brought out again this year and bearing in mind you can use your original disc as well even if that disc is scratched to high heaven just pop that in your xbox one and that will just it'll just Think of it as a key and it'll just download the, the ROM from the Xbox store and it's fantastic. So worth hanging on to your damaged discs now. But the same I was going to say goes for your 360 games. And they've continued to release game after game after game of the 360 backwards compatibility. And it's great to see because I was always worried. And I, I still have my Xbox uh, 360. I'm not going to get rid of it because it's the Halo Reach Special Edition and I like Halo Reach. But it's, it's good to see that it keeps supporting that so that when my 360 inevitably dies, because it is a CD-based system and it will die someday, that I can just you know boot up my Xbox. 
Xbox One and I can play my old 360 games and that's great. And I, I am a person that does use that. I still have a, a whole heap ton of that. And it's not just the 360 um, disc games. It is also your downloaded Xbox Live Arcade games as well, you know. Right, Nintendo. Right, Sony. Both of you. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know how we'd do like a backwards compatibility with the Switch, but hey, it's just me making little jives. That's the biggest win from Microsoft in terms of over probably everybody except PC is backwards compatibility. It's that they've supported it and they're still supporting it despite the fact it's probably not as popular business-wise. It's good to see them doing that. And I still think that's one of the strongest reasons to continue to you know be interested in um, the Xbox as a console. And you know, even if you were say a big 360 gamer back in the day or maybe if you've been a big original Xbox gamer back in the day. Probably more 360, I'd say. But you maybe just jump to the PS4 instead of the Xbox One. You can pick up a Xbox One S now for very little in comparison and you've got that backwards library of 360 games to replay if you want to at your leisure. I also personally feel the Xbox Games of Gold is better still than playstation plus mostly because it still is a system that you know once you've downloaded those games that they are there permanently whereas playstation plus really is just a, it's a rental playstation plus is still good it's still i it's worth the value i feel but um I, i'm much more of a fan of you know once you've got that thing you've got it permanently and that's something that get xbox live games of gold still does and they're still giving you those 360 games two two xbox one games two xbox 360 games i was a little surprised they didn't do like the original Xbox games in Games of Gold that might happen next year maybe but I guess maybe it's because they've only done a small amount of games so far but I was I was actually predicting that when Xbox One the original came out they're going to do two Xbox One games two 360 games and one original Xbox game but that didn't happen I guess in the grand scheme of things there's not a massive library of the original Xbox so maybe that will never happen but oh well we'll see or maybe they'll combine it with the 360 games or the Xbox One games whatever backwards compatible and um, yeah and of course you know the Xbox One's cheap well it's cheap in one way but not cheap enough because they released the Project Scorpio system or the Xbox One X that big 4k system asking for that real high price point I mentioned earlier 449 pounds 99 Whew. if you want to justify your 4k TV if you want to have the prettiest games possible that is the system you want that is also smaller than your Xbox One and Xbox One S which is impressive I have to say, of all of the 4K iterations of consoles, which really there is only two, isn't there? The um, PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X. Um, the Xbox One X was the one that seemed the most interesting to me, mostly just because of backwards compatibility. Again, it's like it's, it's just nice to have the 4 because I'm showing them comparison videos that you should never watch on Digital Foundry because they'll just make you think too much about your games. Uh, they showed a Gears of War 3 comparison, showing Gears of War 3 on the 360, the Xbox One and the Xbox One X. I just thought, oh, look, it just looks that little bit shinier on the Xbox One X. It's just the thought of it, just having my 360 games run better on Xbox One. But I, don't, I just don't need that at this stage. I don't need it. I like the fact But if I was almost sold on any of them, it would be that one. I don't even have a 4K TV. I just, I don't have the money. I don't have the, I don't, I'm glad I haven't fallen for it because um, I need to save my money for other things at the moment. Anyway, but the Xbox One X came out and that sort of surprised people. Like, I felt it was going to do well because I always felt it was pretty much what it was advertised. It was a product more for a niche audience although if anything it's probably you know outdone those expectations the xbox one x has sold very well i remember it being pre-ordered the pre-orders being sold out in the uk and the system appears to be doing well still you know despite its price tag and you know, people are enjoying it despite people hating on it over here in the uk i should probably say the playstation 4 generally i think garners 50 percent of game sales in terms of like you know all games that are sold in the charts and i think uh, the Xbox One X, or I should say just the Xbox One, they take about 35%, and then the other 
the remaining percentages between the switch and basically everything else really uh so of course they are lagging behind playstation 4 but there is still an audience i think that's still significant they're not on the switch are they but then again they don't need to be but so they're doing absolutely fine there is clearly an audience over here i believe that the xbox uh one does do a lot better in america though certainly in terms of software sales i think it's a bit more 50 50 but i could be wrong please do correct me otherwise we did have a death though this year guys a big death um in 2017 which was the connect basically uh, microsoft really well it's been dead for a while really hasn't it i mean just but i think it was again microsoft doing the thing that microsoft does which is silently killing off connect i you know i have i have the connect for the 360 i even have the connect for the xbox one i kind of wonder why i bother with it but i'm a fan of those silly peripherals and text when it but I, I i got both of those when they were silly cheap prices i think i got my xbox um, 360 connect for like 10 pound i think when that originally retailed for over 100 and the same with my um um xbox one connect i think i got that for maybe 25 pound or something some really silly cheap price uh, the thing i loved about connect for the xbox one was xbox live record that i just i, I still do that to this day and it's funny even when it gets it wrong and it doesn't hear me properly and it's yeah the little um, speech icon comes out in the top right corner and it's like what did you say and you have to repeat it again but i think even i would happily admit that the connect is just just not really worked out for microsoft i think the only thing that did well from it uh, at least for the xbox one at least we have to say we have to admit that the 360 connect did do well it did sell over millions of units so that was a success but the yeah, the for the Xbox One didn't really do much for it. You know, even the dance games weren't enough for it to sell well, and people just weren't sold on it at all. So yeah, they just scrapped it. I thought, nope, nope, nope. Move that aside. Forget that ever happened. No, we'll connect. What's that? Huh? Huh? Who? <laughs> so that's gone. Connect is dead. R.I.P. Connect. So that's that's now um, gone to the place where collectors will pick them up and store them on their shelves, and then they'll pick them up and make some YouTube video in the future going, yeah, remember the Connect? Now let me show you dancing in front of this TV. I think I did that once as well. Anyway, enough of that silliness. Let's move on to Sony. Sony did do well, of course. Sony, sales-wise, is killing it with the PlayStation 4. They are clearly in the lead of everybody still. You know, they're selling more systems. They're being Sony. You know, they're like, yeah, look at last PlayStation 4. It's the place to be. You know, this is where the games play, man. Yeah, we're cool. We're Sega. We're, well, we were Sega. <laughs> That's completely me trying to make a joke about 90s um, Nintendo versus Sega then. But, yep, so Sony had a big year. Their main big thing, I guess, was VR, really. Sony was all about the VR. They're like, ah, games? Yeah, well, they're there, guys. Go play the games in the background. But no, VR, they really pushed heavily. So, And they did do pretty well with vr um i personally just have never been interested in vr and i still i haven't seen anything that would ever convince me that i need to get a vr device which is funny considering i just talked about how i have a connect but i guess more it's the price of entry it's you know vr when it first released was over 350 pounds and you know they're just the games that were released for it just seemed i hate to say this, they just seemed very gimmicky to me i just don't see the appeal of it yes i know great games that have vr compatible modes such as uh, resident evil 7 you can play the entire game in vr and that does appear to some appeal to some people uh, of course some derpy horror games are released for it and uh, you know there's interesting experiences i guess but that's all it really felt like to me it 
none of it felt like it justified the price for what really essentially is the price of a console really a system um for what you do with it so i've not been sold on vr but clearly other people have been sold on it and that's good for them and i'm as with anything i always hope that when people purchase any device that they're happy with their purchase and that device continues to get supported and that's the thing i have to give sony credit for is that they are clearly supporting vr so they are releasing more games for it Again, I, I'm not personally seeing anything that I'm interested in, but when they recently showcased PSX, uh, they did show off a, a significant amount of VR games in the trailers. So you cannot deny that, um, which is weird for Sony, considering they don't seem to care about the Vita and don't, well, a bit like with any other portable devices, but Sony seems to have this reputation of when something starts to kind of not do well, they just sort of forget it happens, really, which I guess is Microsoft with Connect these days. But VR, nope, they are still um, all systems go games are coming out and there is stuff to look forward to and it's sold well uh, black friday recently they significantly dropped the price of that vr and even i have to say i was slightly tempted but that's it it was very it was, just, it was a fleeting fleeting feeling but i, st- I just wouldn't have got it because that, that's the first thing i came for well, what am i gonna play on this system it, did, it didn't completely sell me i don't i don't think i ever will be sold on vr personally but again it's clearly doing well and um we'll, well we'll see what happens in the future again maybe this will be something that i'll turn around to later and go huh vr now I'm going to get on that too. <laughs> uh, of course, the system is selling very well. PlayStation Pro is doing well. Sony's version of the 4K system. Sony is giving love to retro in their own special way. By that, I mean that they've re-released games such as Prapper the Rapper this year, the remastered PlayStation 1 Classic, and surprisingly, guys, you might not remember this, but PSP got remasters this year on PlayStation 4. So we had um, Loco Roco, and we had Patapon, two good PSP games that I recommend actually uh, re-released to PS4 I still feel actually both of those titles I still feel they're better as portable games but I'm I'm, I'm not against games being re-released to consoles I think that's great uh, I guess they've kind of yeah they, they released the Jack and Jaxter games haven't they to um, PlayStation 4 so the PlayStation 2 games are continues to be re-released it's just yeah, uh, Sony and backwards compatibility it's weird it's just they, they're much more fans of just re-releasing games than actually allowing you to play your old games on the same systems yeah i know it's complex and blah 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 blah. but you know it's ugh, I, don't, I i've not felt the need shall i say to repurchase playstation 2 games on my i've, I've brought a few i repurchased twisted metal black which is actually really funny actually because i did buy that also on the um although i didn't buy it, it came free with twisted metal um the, you know, the just the game called twisted metal on playstation 3 but i have twisted metal black on the actual physical copy on ps2 i have it digitally on playstation 3 and i also have it digitally on playstation 4 because why not but i think that might have been the trigger for me thinking yeah i need to slow down on this stuff i i do have um red faction on playstation 4 as well a fantastic game i still feel very underrated that was on playstation 2 that got re-released but i got that free with one of those um american humble bundle um things this year which is pretty cool which also came with, like you know both dark siders games but i i've sort of stemmed myself thinking i i'm just not gone back to purchase these games anymore just because they look prettier especially if i already own them on playstation 2 i'm just gonna i'll just get my playstation 2 out and just boot them up again and enjoy them there yeah we'll see what happens but it's just it doesn't feel like it's been enough for me and yeah trophy support as well yeah, whatever <laughs> trophies that's something i think i've gone off with in 2017 for me is that i've i've really I remember, I remember back in the day when I was mad about, you know, achievements and trophies and it was just a ton of fun. But nowadays, yeah, 
don't really care i guess <laughs> i guess i'm i'm I, that's probably one thing i'm going to credit the switch even with as well is that they don't do um, achievements on there or at least the nintendo themselves don't do an achievement system but some of the individual games uh one to coming to mind rive which is a cool little shmuppy type game that has its in- own internal achievement system but yeah i just i like the there's no pressure anymore i remember achievements seem to be like oh what what do i need to do to get this and you might argue yes it was a it was a way for you to explore all aspects of the game but yeah, sometimes i don't want to play the veteran difficulty sometimes i just want to play through the game the way i want to play through it and not have the pressure of achievements and so yeah i guess achievements and trophies have dropped off a bit for me maybe i need to introduce something more <laughs> or something different we'll see but yeah so that's that's pretty much sony for me in a nutshell really i know there's obviously more to talk about with all of these systems um but this is really the stuff that came to mind let's move on to really pc which is very brief for me personally uh, i do play mostly games off goodoldgames.com now on my laptop the ones that are able to run it at least anyway <laughs> once i get enough money for a gaming pc that'll change which i think i've been saying that for over five years haven't i i guess the biz- big success story was with pc was a little game called player unknown battlegrounds which became kind of i guess the new minecraft didn't it i mean you say no it's not because it's not a crafting game but i mean that in the sense of remember remember back in the day when minecraft was just this beta game and it was really successful before it had its version 1.0 release and that's basically PUBG. really it's just it's that it's taken the pc gaming world by storm and become a huge success done very well on pc got a huge player base so and, and then it's obviously had its uh <laughs> interesting um console exclusive release on xbox one which hasn't been as good but despite that it's still been very successful you know it just shows that it doesn't matter if the console port's amazing people will still buy it from its name alone and um it has been successful on the xbox one and um i guess kudos for microsoft for getting that um console exclusivity as well the other little bit of uh pc news i guess i guess one way of putting this is the death of half-life 3 maybe but you know to me half-life 3 has been dead for years i think i called it back in back about left 4 dead 2 was released i think because <laughs> so i remember a friend of mine back then was saying to me about he, he was still speculating then about what um about what half-life 2 episode 3 was going to be and he was telling me about oh yeah they're going to incorporate these things they've got in left 4 dead and it's going to be amazing man it's going to be so cool and i was just shaking my head thinking i i think i said back then as i do now i'll just believe it when i see it but it's never going to happen but we had a um a former developer from valve who worked on the series who revealed sort of the plot of what would have been half-life 2 episode 3 um and of course you know it's not going to happen i I, half-life 3 is not going to happen is it and it it feels to me that uh, we've we've kind of created hype for a game that's not even been announced that's being that's coming out and and if it was announced to come out are our will our expectations be met because i think people's expectations must be enormous and i have to say that i i respect half-life 2 as a game but i've always been much more fond of half-life 1 as a game at least up to zen anyway you know that alien bit right at the end but um i, I love the design of half-life it was one of those you know it's a game that just came from nowhere i love the you know the journey through black mesa as a facility and um it's a game that i replayed so many times on them both pc and playstation 2 the playstation 2 port which is one i really do recommend and that is a port i'd love to see on playstation 4 i don't know if we'll see it though but it's decent it was kind of like a another that was like an early example of a remaster really it was decent and i enjoyed it um another one was was deus ex on playstation 2 as well which i thought was pretty decent too not as good again 
but yeah, absolutely. You are. You absolutely can argue that the PC versions are, of course, better. But it's great to see what developers do with console ports and how they make them work on systems as well. And also, don't forget, we didn't. We didn't officially get Half-Life on Dreamcast. <laughs> so, kind of the PS2 version was our answer to that. I don't. I guess I don't really care, really. If, if Half-Life 3 comes out, cool. Yay! Yay! Brilliant. But I'm not going to be upset if it never does, and I just don't think it is. But that 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 was a big story that I remember. Maybe a story you might have even forgot about as well. That really moves in now to kind of just the other news I think that was left over the year for me uh, to talk about. Oh uh, yeah, so we might as well just go over the negative, shall we? Which is EA. Oh EA. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Boy, did they have a rocky year, didn't they? With um, mostly, it start with with Mass Effect, with Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, um, I guess I really should have me Tendi on to talk about this at some time, which something I intend to do in the future w- to revisit Mass Effect, because um, she is a veteran expert of that series and she's replayed the trilogy and all of its DLC multiple times, um, whereas I've only gone through sort of Mass Effect 1 to 3 and that's most of the DLC uh, so she I brought her specifically uh, Mass Effect Andromeda to play and it was fascinating watching her play that game she's a huge fan of Dragon Age as well which is a series that I think we should probably cover in the future in Gaming History 101 as well and I'll definitely get her to give her take on that Mass Effect's Andromeda watching her play that uh, was interesting as someone who is not the biggest gamer i would say but when she likes games she loves those games and she really did love the mass effect series and watching her play mass effect andromeda and think you just sort of see the face change and drop and her sort of you know talk about discuss her disappointments with the game you know not really caring for the the character so much pointing out the glitches and, and this is bearing in mind i brought this a lot later after it was supposedly you know patched all those numerous times and she was pointing out errors and things and just disdain and i should really point out that she is a gamer that is very forgiving of things and to put that in perspective when we um with dragon age inquisition she played it first on the 360 so she didn't play the best graphical version of that game and she was content she loved it she really enjoyed the game in that in that as that version despite it being on an inferior hardware and then of course repurchased it on um both actually i think we've got both versions we've got the fruit because they've been sold cheap very cheaply the uh, game of the year versions on xbox one and playstation 4 and she's enjoyed the joy that on both of those systems too she's not massively bothered about sort of say frame rates is what i'm getting at and sort of the best possible graphics but of course she does notice when games don't play well so she just wasn't sold on uh, mass effect andromeda and it's the out of all of these games that she's big fans of uh, these bioware titles she hasn't finished andromeda in fact it's she hasn't been running back to it really which is interesting to see and i know i mean when i played the original mass effect game myself i i thought i felt this about andromeda myself thinking well you know maybe this is just the start of a new trilogy and you know it doesn't always pick up that maybe they'll fix it with a second game maybe andromeda 2 or whatever it would be called will pick things up and it will make people really like the first game because it will explain stuff and it will just be all around better and um cooler because not everyone raves about the first mass effect game um but although i didn't i didn't mind it personally that's a different discussion for another day however of course that's probably not going to happen because um it appears the put mass effect series on ice so no more mass effect for the foreseeable future which is very disappointing i think to a lot of fans of the series and certainly disappointing to Mitendi, who was a big fan um, of the mass effect series and certainly disappointed to hear that the the best we might be getting is just a novelization of what how andromeda was supposed to conclude which is 
really not what fans are asking for. You know, fans want choice. They want to decide. Unless I guess maybe maybe they'll do Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, choose your own adventure book. I mean, yeah, there you go. That'd be quite funny. Might not sell as well, but <laughs> as a game, but we'll see. It was a shame to see a game that I think a lot of people were really looking forward to in the form of Mass Effect Andromeda be hyped up for all this time and people excited and then everything just to be crushed <laughs> within a year as well. So we've gone from being very um, hopeful for the future of the Mass Effect series to suddenly be like, oh, oh, OK. Oh, well, there's a game called Anthem coming out. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> but, well, maybe I'll talk about Anthem in a second. But that's actually no, I'll talk about it now, shall I? Anthem. Yeah, I, I saw that at E3 being revealed. Like, just I, I called it E3 where I had no interest. Okay, if you if you like Anthem, if you're hyped for Anthem, good for you guys. You know, please please be happy for Anthem, and excited about it. But when I saw that reveal trailer for Anthem at E3, I was just like. <laughs> don't care um this is before the big loot box um drama happened as well i just thought i'm not really interested in a mass online uh, multiplayer game again for the reasons i've mentioned before uh, might as well mention them again which is i just i don't have great internet anymore and i don't have a circle of people to play with and i i just i don't really want to play games like that with random people online because for me random random as i call randomers online i've just not had the best of luck with really uh you know too much verbal a diarrhea i guess is one word of putting it and just people just not playing the game uh but maybe that's just me maybe i'm just bad luck really with finding people that's why if i want to play online games i want to play with people i know ideally and enjoy it with the people i people i get on with and love um but maybe that maybe i'll come back to in the future i think anthem would be a game i'd absolutely love and enjoy if i played with people that um you know i got on with and could chat to but i just don't see that a game i can enjoy by myself really additionally ea made some waves with killing visceral as well visceral died I guess a kind of slow death. You know, the last thing they worked on was that Battlefield Hardline DLC. DLC sorry, that, no, sorry, Battlefield Hardline game. I didn't think the game was terrible. I've, I've only briefly, I'll be honest, I've only briefly played it. I thought it was fine. It, I guess it, this just tends to be the way EA does with studios, though. You know, studios make great games and then they put them on work for higher projects and then ah, off you go, bye bye. But of course, you know, this role well loved for the Dead Space series and honestly surprised that Visceral lasted as long as they did because Dead Space to me is a fantastic trilogy and yes I even think Dead Space 3 is actually pretty good actually if you if you've got I know you've got to look past the uh, yeah the microtransaction rubbish which you don't you don't have to get involved with uh, but again that's the defense we all use about many games but I enjoyed the games and I feel that Dead Space 3 slash sadly was clouded over and under a pre I don't maybe not even underappreciated I think maybe that might be EA's bad actually AA's expectations of Dead Space 3 were just so enormous and just crazy which is just part of the problem with the AAA game industry a lot these days is they just release these games and expect massive sales um kind of what seems like no reason (laughs) so yeah but I like Dead Space series. I, I was, you know, hoping we might get some sort of follow-up because I, I enjoyed the whole of all of those games. But maybe that's not going to happen. But you never know. Maybe those developers will move on, form another studio, maybe do like a spiritual successor type thing, and then we'll go from there. But was a huge fan of Dead Space series. Was very sad to see uh, Visceral uh, retire. I guess uh, maybe we should start putting our predictions for who gets retired next. Will it be Bioware or will it be well, people? Was it Respawn? Is that the Titan for people? Maybe it'll be them next. Not not straight away. We'll give them a few years, shall we? <laughs> and we'll see what happens. But from bad to maybe a nice story. Um, what did happen in 2017 is that Square Enix did say bye bye to the Hitman franchise. And well, actually, they did say bye-bye to Hitman franchise. They said bye-bye to your IO Interactive, who worked on the Hitman franchise. But um, they did say, hey, guys, 
you can have your Hitman franchise back though. So IO Interactive got to retain the Hitman license, which is such a rare and fantastic story. I love hearing that because most you know, big companies just don't care when it comes to old IPs. Um, you know, my, 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 usually EAs we'll just harp on them some more shall we you know once they kill off this you know they, they hold that dead space um, title still so and you know that'll probably be dead and buried now for the future of time same with sort of games like the you know, a bad example is probably Syndicate they did slightly reboot that but badly I don't know the theme games maybe like theme hospital things like that and lots of companies have um, games that are just buried in their backlog that we'll just never ever see again and um, I'm really I was expecting that from the Hitman franchise I'm not even the biggest Hitman fan to be honest I'm just not that great at those games but it's great to see a company just say here you go have have your game and have your title and continue to support it and it's I, I love that I really I wish more of that would happen that if companies do let if um if a big publisher lets a company go and um, they do let them hold on to the games that they made and made well so you get like, like with visceral why not let them have the dead space license it will never happen but it'll be nice to see uh, so that was I thought was a huge success story and I, I do wish IO Interactive all the best with Hitman which they have said that they're going to continue to support and grow in the future uh, I guess I was kind of interested in the new hatman game but i i have to be honest i was just put off of it by the whole i don't i don't like the episodic idea i mean i'm just but i'm like that with like telltale games as well i just i don't really do episodic it's i'll wait till the complete edition is out i'm still burned by hydrophobia remember that game that terrible game on the playstation 3 and xbox live arcade was it i don't even it might be on xbox live arcade um that game basically that was released episode one and they never released any other episodes it did so badly so i know that's like a very rare example but <laughs> um, i'm still sort of slightly burned by it so i'm always person that i'll wait for the whole lot to come out and then i'll purchase it <laughs> and um another success story of course was uh, in the indie market was hellblade uh, senua's sacrifice uh, from ninja theory a company that i yeah i've, I've talked about them in the past i've I met somebody from there <laughs> it wasn't the most positive experience but but i am glad about this story i am happy that hellblade is a success story uh interesting title really for me i might talk about this more in a moment when we go on sort of games of the year um kind of people call it double a not triple a but basically like a you know a triple a looking game with an indie budget there's a few things i reasons i like hellblade personally is i like hellblade because it's a shorter game um that's one of my big gripes with there being too many games these days is too many games and they're just too damn long as well i just don't have the time to finish a lot of them because they just go on for hours and hours and hours and not just they go on for so long but it feels like there's a lot of pointless content you know it just doesn't need to be there but this sandbox games are notoriously guilty for this you know say far cry games where you know you're spending ages just traveling around the map looking for things um, i know that's something i don't mind doing that stuff but when there's so much of it it gets a bit boring and you want to move on to something else and um hellblade is something i really like to see where it's a game that you can quite comfortably finish in a few sittings um i felt it was well worth the price of entry it was 24.99 over here and i like the idea that maybe we'll see more of this in the future if companies are able to i think it's a little bit conflicting of whether we will because people are hoping this is going to open the doors for other companies doing the same but you know ninja theory is very fortunate in the fact that they've got a lot of this experience already i i can't see say a brand new indie startup being lucky to just jump straight into a game that looks like this i could be wrong about that but 
you know, Ninja Free's got very, a very experienced team and they've got talented people that are clearly working for them. So they're able to make a game of this quality in, um, was it four years, I think, or in the time span they had, but it was a small team. I just, I don't think every, uh, the, people are expecting every company to be like this. So I don't want people to expect every indie, this from every indie developer, which I think is a bit unfair, really, because not every indie developer has these resources. You know, Ninja Free is lucky because they have been involved in the AAA um, standing, but maybe we'll see other companies do the same maybe companies that have had or have worked with uh, AAA developers will do games like that and it will be nice to see and maybe again this is something that'll be proved wrong in the future but pff, the only company i can see doing this again really is ninja fury at the moment but but we'll see we will see what happens um i do like they came out i did like it's a success i think it was a, a good game as well um but we'll we'll see what happens in the future uh with this sort of style of game i think other AAA developers are probably going to do more of this sort of thing anyway a good example was uncharted lost legacies kind of this sort of idea when i say this idea i mean you know shorter games uh cheaper prices and that's something i'm not against at all another game that i actually quite enjoyed this year as well um let's move on to one more story though shall we uh because how could you not have heard about this story if you look into the gaming news which was the loot year of the loot box <laughs> oh boy the year of the loot box so yeah destiny 2 need for speed payback shadow of war star wars battlefront 2 um, and a whole host of probably mobile games as well but um there, there was of course other examples but those were the big title they all made news in some form because of this little some little boxes you open and they give you random drops and uh, I, I just wanted to kind of talk about loot boxes really for a second since we're doing a moment of reflection um my personal take is that i don't really care about loot boxes and i and i don't care for any game that has them either including if it's just cosmetic as they call it so like that includes games like overwatch um again overwatch is a game that's not going to really appeal to me anyway because like i mentioned i'm just not great at online i'm, I'm not I'd, I'd rather play with people i know with online games as opposed to random people i'm not really fond of loot boxes in any form i don't care if you get cosmetic things mostly probably because i'm a dinosaur and i come from that era of gaming that where i remember the days where you'd unlock the cosmetic items regardless in game by playing it and I just, I, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like, I don't like this idea. Um, and that, that is actually quite, um, count, that's quite weird for me saying that because I, as a gamer, I'm quite a fan of roguelike games and roguelike titles very much rely on the, the whole thing of loot basically you know for any of you that are not aware a roguelike game generally is a game that's usually well they always say it's a quick game it never is is it think of games like enter the gungeon binding of isaac um you know nuclear throne is another infamous one there's quite a lot of examples where you start out with nothing and you go through this kind of uh you know spunky is another good one as well um you go through a procedurally generated uh, series of levels to get to the end. Um, overall, the game is quite short, but, you know, you die over and over and over again. And, you know, you try and just do better next time. And as you go through these games, you unlock random items, usually, um, that will help you progress. So especially, so, certainly the first few I mentioned, like Enter the Gungeon and Binding of Isaac, they're completely randomized. And you'll get, you'll, it'll be, you'll, if you get lucky, you'll get good items and you'll go through really easily. Um but you might get bad luck and you might get rubbish items that'll change your game experience but it's still fun to kind of experience that whether it's a challenging game or it just turns out to go in your favor so that is sort of based on luck basically and kind of that whole loot box mentality where you open a box and you might get something good or you might get some guff i guess the reason i don't like loot boxes is that i paid for the game really i don't want to be paying extra for this 
stuff really i don't i don't stand it and certainly not things like battlefront 2 where it's a system where people players have better advantages over you than other people um i find online games frustrating enough as it is when i play with random people because there's always people that are better than you anyway <laughs> so it's, it's not it's one, one of these childish things where i'm saying i want to be better or anything like that but it's just you know you've always got when you play like a game say a call of duty or, or a fighting game is the best example there's just the person that you're going to be playing against that is just crazy amazing at the game they've probably that's all they ever do and they probably if play, play play that game 12 hours a day a good example i remember of this is when i was i used to be quite into playing halo online actually i played um halo reach hardcore online like almost every day i think for like you know, a few at least a few hours but when that game first released i remember there seeing people on there that are like level 50 already and it, the game had like just released within a week and i thought how how did she do that this is people that like live on this game uh, they live on these games and that still happens to this day as well so there's always going to be people better than you is what i'm guessing at but i just i don't like the idea of like oh but if you pay this much money you could be just as good and you can be a, a tosser to all these people i i like being a kind of a, a vanilla player where you know we're all, we're all the same we're all we're all got the same health and we've got the same powers and it's it is more of a skill thing i'm a dinosaur <laughs> i've said this already <laughs> so I don't like loot boxes. I don't care for them. And if a game does have loot boxes, um, I'm put off it. Uh, one of those games that I listed earlier, which I was put off, was um, Shadow of War. I didn't buy it for that reason. I probably won't ever buy it because of the loot box idea. And I, that's a shame because I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings series. Um, I really liked the Shadow of Mordor game, which I only played the first time this year. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, really loved that game. And that, that's what got me excited for the Shadow of War game. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to be raving the sequel. And then I saw all this loot box stuff and I listened to a few podcasts uh, heard about people's experiences and then talking about the grind thing which is something i've mentioned a bit briefly earlier about sandbox games as well and i was just like no i just no 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 i don't have time for this sort of stuff i don't want to grind again i can track myself because i say that and then yeah and i'll sink hundreds of hours into some jrpg like xenoblade chronicles 2 and get nowhere <laughs> i don't know but i guess it's it's just me putting sort of a pin in things and say this is where maybe i personally draw the line so loot boxes not for me never will be but i can see it's something um that's going to be moving forward in the future now what i do want to take a moment to say is that i i think this is so important to say if you are okay with loot boxes please don't be upset if i'm not and because um, you know if you if you're if you're happy with the way gaming is going if you're if you love battle stars battlefront 2 fantastic good for you absolutely and i I'm, it's the same with any game any game or any game or whatever you're playing um I, I always hope that you get what you pay for you know good for you you play that game and you enjoy it loot boxes and all this is just my take and i just don't care about them really sadly it seems to be the future of the gaming industry isn't it this is where we're moving forward through which i guess moves into the slightly last story i had which is the thing that nobody really talks about is that that dreaded mobile phone market we've talked about nintendo we've talked about microsoft we talked about sony we talked briefly about pc and then we've talked a bit about the news but silently in that dark corner of the gaming world mobile gaming guys is still dominating they are still doing very well over there we've uh, the mobile market still bringing in the most income in the gaming industry and which is probably exactly why this uh, that's why i want to kind of tie into loot boxes really this is why exactly we're going in that direction with um these other games really so this just seems to be the way things are i don't give i don't care about mobile gaming anymore i, I was it's a shame really and i think this would be a, po a podcast well worth doing in the future sometime is um sort of the the history of the say the apple the app store or something or just mobile gaming in general because i felt it had so much potential back uh, back in the day and then it just evolved into this sort of 
I don't know, this this marketplace of just spamming apps all over it, so it's near impossible to find a good game on the App Store. And of course, people can say otherwise and say, yeah, this is where you go to get the good apps, but it's just exhausting with how many terrible, terrible apps there are and uh, shady practices that are on the app, um, on mobile games, uh, which are now starting to leak their way into the mainstream gaming thing as well. But it's making money. That's the thing, guys. It's making money. People are making money from this sort of stuff, and it's doing well. The market's doing well from it. So that's what we're probably going to see. But that is not to say that um, you know all games going to be like that. I, I I don't personally see a future ever where we're just going to have games that are just microtransactions. No, not every single game is a microtransaction. There's always going to be a company, or there's going to be somebody in the corner somewhere, like in, probably Nintendo, where they release games that are just complete games, and you can enjoy them, and and that's it. And you've got and you only play one single fee. They will always be around. And hell, I've said this before. If this is the way that games go in the far, far future, and that's all there is, I'm fine. Because you know what? There's loads of games that I haven't played. There's goodoldgames.com on for PC, or even Steam, of course. Uh, I've got a huge backlog of retro games I can go back to and play. You know, maybe this is just where my gaming career ends. We'll see. <laughs> but I don't really think that's going to happen, though. I think, especially with the controversy loot boxes is um, garnered, because what I think we're going to see instead is we're now going to see companies, I mean, Capcom's already jumped on this with Monster Hunter Worlds, where they're going to jump in going, hey, look, we don't have loot boxes. So some companies are going to use that backlash to their advantage to promote their games instead. <laughs> Which is funny, isn't it? Because Monster Hunter kind of is a loot-based game as well. Um, the thing I'm obviously I'm, I'm getting at, it's the, it's the point of purchasing them. I don't care about loot boxes. Uh, I don't care they're a thing and a lot of games have some form of loot system in them I just don't want to play extra for a game I've put money down for uh, it, it, the, again we could talk for ages though about this couldn't we we could go on and on and on about this um, but I'm not going to do that what I'm going to end this podcast and end my um, 2017 reflection of is let's talk about uh, let's do a fun bit shall we let's talk about uh, games that I've played really not a lot but there were games um, 2017 was a bit of a, an interesting year for me uh, many levels emotionally it was difficult it was a stressful year i a lot's happened really yeah i've moved i've moved house um but one happy thing happened i got married and that was actually pretty awesome <laughs> there's a little i like to think of that as a little sparkling glint in a a year that was quite challenging but within that challenging year i was able to come back to games every now and then and play some cool stuff I don't really have a top 10. I, I, again, I, I'm going to kind of, I just really struggle to sort of say, well, which is the best game? So all I'm actually going to do is I'm just going to run down games that I played, really, and uh, just kind of briefly discuss them and see what we think. But there's new and retro stuff here. Let's just start right with the top and start with a fun one, I thought. So we'll go to the Switch, which is a little game called Snipper Clippers, which is a co-op base game on the Nintendo Switch. I believe this was a launch title, at least on the eStore, but you can now purchase like a Snipper Clips Plus, which is like the complete version physically and um, on the um, on the eStore as well on the Switch. This game is my, I guess I'll give this the patented different award of the year, really. And I love games that are different. Uh, Snipper Clips is kind of like this co-op based game. You're literally little shapes and you cut yourselves out into shapes to solve puzzles. And it's very much a communication ga- game. This is a game that will test your relationships <laughs> of how well you communicate with each other how much you shout at each other um but i i adore games like this that are just so different you just you just don't think of it it's not a first person shooter not a platformer it's just this something that 
you know this clever Nintendo companies come up with and cooked up and a fantastic launch device system because even if you um, just have the you know the, just the base system itself you don't need additional controls you just have a little one of those little joy cons each basically to play this with but really enjoy this um, garnered many arguments uh, with my partner and uh, we did actually have some friends over on a few occasions and played up to four people, which makes it even more crazy when you're trying to solve puzzles with four shaped people. Um, just really enjoyed it. And the reason I had to put this on a, a game of the year is just because it, it just brought back. It just it just creates some really fond memories that are just gonna, I'm going to carry with me. And it's a game I can see myself pulling out at sort of family events or friend events again and again and again. Say, yeah, you know what game should we play? Oh, let's pull out some snipper clips and let's play some of this and attempt to play it together. It's a really good game as well if you have have people in your uh, circle of friends that don't play games as well it's very simple controls and it, it really just is a lot of fun and the best 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 part of it is when you play these puzzles or these sections in snipper clips there's not really a right or wrong answer how you solve the puzzles is really a sort of have it your way approach and that's part of the fun is you, you go into this game try not to think of it as a you know oh like oh god what what how what what's the correct way to do this it's go nuts have fun do some really crazy things and you'll be surprised by how you'll solve some of these puzzles because there's no one way to do it and that's something we had to come to terms with quite early on because i think we became thinking oh we should maybe we should pull up youtube and no 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 never pull up youtube for this game never look up the solutions to these games because everybody's solution will be different so that's something i highly recommend and if you know it's, it's a it's a relatively cheap game and it's i think it's cheap anyway as a complete version I think if you get it with all of the DLC, all of the bits and pieces, it's like 20, um, 25 pound over here in the UK. But I highly recommend it. So moving on to a retro themed game. Who would have thought, guys, that Sonic would actually finally, finally come back and, um, and be and basically be a good game? Sonic Mania is a fantastic game. And I was so happy that this game was awesome. Let me just tell you briefly about my feelings towards Sonic. I, I honestly thought that Sonic was done. I, I, I felt that way for such a long, long time. I've just uh, even I even I even was one of those people that was saying in the background that you know what, even if they go back to Sonic the the stand you know, the Mega Drive days, um, I just don't see it being that great. I think I've just been so fatigued. The the 3D stuff as a as a rule of thumb wasn't doing it for me really. I I attempted to play through. Uh, was it Sonic Lost Worlds? And I, uh, it was okay, but again, it still felt things were missing. Uh, I just Sonic to me was done. I was I, I was fatigued, and I was I was thinking, nah, there's nothing you could do. And then Sonic Mania comes out, and I heard from some friends that they they were literally pressuring me. They're saying, no, seriously, seriously, do you like those Mega Drive games? Do you like Sonic 2, Sonic 3? You you need to play Sonic Mania. And I've never been happy to purchase a game brand new for such a long time with this sort of inspiration. I was, I, I think from the moment of pressing start with Sonic Mania, I had a big smile on my face. Mostly nostalgia because uh, Sonic was a series that I grew up with um, from the very first game. And I, I just love everything about Sonic Mania. I, not a perfect game. Uh, there are some problems with it, but but overall a wonderful title. Uh, harkens back to so many, uh, pull on your nostalgia strings, for not just because of the Mega Drive era, but because of the Sega CD era, Mega CD era, for the Game Gear era as well. They have nods to the Game Gear games. Um, the kind of Mars system games as well, I guess you could say, but it was just this was created by guys that love the Sonic series, and it was just really nice to see. I I love this title; it is fantastic. Um, and um, let's um, considering, I guess, that Sonic Forces didn't do well, this might mean that maybe Sega will do more games like this. But what I'm personally hoping is that we'll see 
more sort of, of Sega giving their old IPs to indie developers and maybe, maybe guys, Streets of Rage will finally come back in a big way. And while you're at it, Sega, bring back Story of Four. That'd be really good to see too. But yeah, and I guess on that note, actually, you know, Sega Forever was the iOS thing that occurred this year with the handheld devices, where Sega basically released a lot of their old um, games for free, but with ad support, or you could pay and they'll take the ads off. Um, I'm not really too sure how well that's done, but part of that was for them to kind of gauge interest in these titles, and they said that if those titles, if they got a lot of interest, then um, Sega would re-release those games. Uh, well, they wouldn't re-release them, they would um, maybe develop new new titles for those games, so I was really hoping that maybe Kid Chameleon might come back as well, but we'll see, we'll see. But I'm hoping that Sonic Mania is the start of that, that Sega is looking now thinking, you know what, Retro's is still cool, when we need to bring some of these franchises back and make finally, finally, Streets of Rage, Kid Comedian, Story 4, all of these great titles, bring them back. Anyway, moving on. Brand new game from a uh, developer image form that I absolutely love, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. Great game. I love these developers. I'm a bit biased towards these guys. I've met them in person um, at an EGX one year where they were uh, I, I'll tell the story briefly, where they were showcasing SteamWorld uh was it SteamWorld Heist, I believe? Um, that was the strategy game they released, the 2D strategy game, which is really good as well. They, they haven't put a foot wrong, these guys, so far. And I just remember um, the two fellas, they were there, um, the developers of their names, um, I forget them at the moment, I do apologise. And they just had the small little 3DS unit. It was just that one unit, and they were by themselves. And I went and played these games, and I just remember them being so friendly and so passionate about the game that they were making. And I was just sold. And I've, I've still got their card as well to this day with the contact details, which I'm going to hold on that for a long time and i i i, I remember just saying to him i said i am yep i'm sold i'm gonna buy steam world heist and i got that um, day of release for the uh, 3ds system and i've pretty much bought all of their games day of release ever since uh, that moment so i brought steam world dig 2 uh, on release for the switch of all things and um, and it's great it's a great game uh, it's, of course it's a sequel to the previous uh, steam world dig game which is kind of like a pseudo metroidvania type game fantastic just has this really addicting kind of dig mechanic to it where you're digging down and unlocking new gear and you're getting better and a great art style um, there really is not a lot more to say about it than just go play this game it's really good another thing i liked about it which some people criticize for it again is that the people said that the game is too too short i completely disagree is is longer than the first game but you know not as long as you think it's a perfect length doesn't outstay its welcome leaves you wanting more so hopefully we'll see another game in the future as well and just and it has that replay value you know where you'll be happy to go back and play through the whole thing again and just enjoy that wonderful experience just feels steamwell dig 2 to me feels like the complete package possibly even my game of the year maybe um we'll see but <laughs> we'll see we'll, we'll go through these and we'll reflect maybe um Moving on, another retro one, uh, at least a retro remaster. So I mentioned this, and I got to, I won't talk too much about this because I've talked about it before, which was Fire Emblem Echoes um, Shadows of Valentia on the 3DS. Yes, the 3DS got lots of love, guys, and this was one of them. Um, I became a huge fan of the Fire Emblem series ever since uh, my partner brought me Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS, and I've been basically hooked since, really. Fire Emblem games are great uh, if you're into this sort of tactical strategy RPG-like thing. The, what I like, of course, about the Fire Emblem games is you can have it your own way. Some people might be put off by difficulty because it has this sort of permadeath mechanic in it. You don't have to have that in these 3DS games. You can choose to do what's called a casual mode where your characters come back at the end. It's a bit of a nicer entry level for people new to the series. And don't, don't be sort of um, put off by people that say to you, you know... Um, you know, oh no, you're not playing. You're not playing the game right, um, if, unless you're playing the permadeath version. 
play the game how you want to play guys if the feature is available there and you want to play it that way you play it the way and you enjoy it and then if you know if you want to if you want to beef up that difficulty and you do that uh, that to be perfectly honest that's how i did it with awakening because i i played for awakening first on casual mode so the the permadeath thing seems to be overwhelming and then i actually went back and replayed it with the permadeath thing on i i certainly agree though with people when they say permadeath adds a bit more of a stakes to it and it makes you make every move count but um but please, by all means, play your games how you want. If you are a guy that plays or girl who plays things on easy mode, play on easy mode. You rock it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, Shadows of Lentia is basically a bit of a diet. It's a, kind of a slightly different from the series main sort of mechanics. It it mixes things up a bit. It's much more of a retro themed um, game based on the retro on the. I think it was a was it Super Nintendo title. I could be wrong, but I didn't play it because it was in Japan only. This is the first localized version of it. Really, all I can really say about this, because I've talked about it extensively on the podcast previously, is that if you like um, Fire Emblem games, this is definitely well worth looking to. If you're new to Fire Emblem games, I would probably say try Awakening or Fire Emblem Fates Birthright first. And then if you like those, then get this game. Which is funny, because this game, I think, is a lot cheaper than those. So, <laughs> but, but if you like retro and brutally hard games, then yeah, definitely. And even that's, uh, you know, if you like brutally hard games, Shadows Valentia is well worth looking into. Additionally, on top of that, there was, we didn't just get one Fire Emblem game, guys. We also got two Fire Emblem games. We had Fire Emblem Warriors, which is the game I also got for the Switch as well. This was also released, though, to the new 3DS Um so, so you've got two choices there and yeah it's a it's a warriors or a dynasty warriors type game uh, i think they call it warriors like now uh, i really enjoyed hyrule warriors which was on the wii u really really enjoyed that game this film seemed like a nice thing I, I brought this basically to play carp with my partner and um yep if you like warriors games fire emblem warriors is a good game for you if you like fire emblem games and you like warriors based games you're in heaven this game is very this game is what you want <laughs> and and that was my main draw i'm a big fan of the fire emblem series i like the characters you know and uh the the one thing that sort of adds based on the warriors games it adds a kind of a strategy element which is from the fire emblem series where you can kind of guide your units to go to certain areas for you and um you can bounce back and forth between playable characters which is pretty good so yep yeah, i like this it's not a game for everybody but um i was a big fan of the fire emblem warriors Moving on now to a little indie gem also on the Switch. The Switch is getting a lot of love on this <laughs> list already. Um, Golf Story. Golf Story, that little fun, glitchy game. And I, I'll, get, I'll talk about glitches in a moment. But <laughs> Golf Story surprised me, really. This is one of my big surprises of the year. A golf-based RPG. I just, I had so much fun playing through this game, uh, despite its faults. Um, you know, a, a game that was originally intended for the Wii U, of course, and then it came to Switch. And I think this game just took off and did really well, from far, at least on its release anyway. It was at the top of the charts, I believe, for a short period. Um golf story yep you just play golf really you solve um quests by playing golf you play golf um and it's got a cute little fun story behind it as well uh the bit that's just kind of funny is the game is a little bit riddled with glitches sometimes the game just crashes sometimes you know you yeah, I don't know, some of the glitches I encounter is you shoot the ball and then uh, the game, you can't get your ball back or something like that. Something crazy would happen and you'd have to restart the game. But it was never, I don't feel it was ever break, game-breaking. Nothing game-breaking happened. Um, the, the saves are quite frequent and the game would even automatically save, which is, thank God, in some instances because I'd forget. <laughs> so, um, But it was just such an enjoyable game and a game surprised me. And who would have thought I'd get back into a golf game? Because I haven't been into go, to a golf game for so long as well. Um, probably not since one of those Mario golf games well, i think there was that mario they, i think they said this game is like uh, mario golf on the game boy color as well 
but I really recommend this. If you want something different, Golf Story is definitely worth looking into. And uh, quite a nice price. I believe it's only £15 as well. Uh, I mentioned this game earlier, the, um, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Yep, it's more Uncharted, guys. It's uh, I, I like this mostly because of its um, its length, really. It's uh, I, I really do like the Uncharted games. I know people will say, oh, you know, it's... Um, it's just more the same. <laughs> it's just it's a, it's a shooting game, a cover-based shooting game, but with a kick-ass story. I like the character in this, um, Chloe, who's voiced by Claudia Black. Big fan of her. I believe she's well known for her time in um, was it Battlestar Galactica? I think she was in. Uh, but she's also voiced several other video game characters, um, including sort of in Gears of War 3 was one. She was a character in there, I believe. But she's also in, um, of course, here in Uncharted: Lost Legacy, where she gets to be the main protagonist, uh, which is fantastic. I enjoy this. It really is just a an expanded story some people say it is like a big dlc piece for uncharted 4 but i feel they they made this long enough to feel like a good standalone piece uh, i enjoyed it i love the length of it the, it's just it's not as long as uncharted 4 thank god it's priced appropriately for that as well and again if you just want a game that you can finish in a few gaming sessions you know it comes and goes uh, doesn't feel like it outstays a welcome uncharted uh, lost legacy is definitely a game worth checking out i i really enjoyed it and i i'd love to see more games um like this and like hellblade that just feel you don't have to make your games enormously long i know that's something the gaming industry big devs think that we want um Although maybe, maybe that's what people are shouting about, but I just I've you know I've looked at some of those achievements, guys, and not a lot of you are getting at least according to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One it, the percentage they say at the end you've obtained the finished a game achievement. It's always under 50%. I've noticed. <laughs> so, so I'm just just saying I don't think we don't always want massively long games. Um, shorter games are fine by me. Um, I just feel much more compelled that if a game is shorter, I'll go back and replay it as well. Now let's move on to. This probably might be my game of the year, and it seems like such a cop out because I'm a cause again because I'm a retro gamer. Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap. How would this not be on my game of the year? Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap is absolutely wonderful. It's um, it is basically a remaster, remake, or whatever, everything um, of Wonder Boy from the Master System um, era, and I love it. Um, yes, I did play this game briefly back in the day. Uh, I'm, I've always been a fan of the Wonder Boy series, and I was smiling ear to ear with this game. The graphics are phenomenal. It looks wonderful. They've just recreated this game like pixel by pixel, but with a new graphical style. But the best bit about Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap, guys, is you can switch it back to those old graphics and you can switch the music back to the old music and mix it all around in whichever way you fancy lizard cube just did this was a labor of love and nobody can deny that this game is just this clearly made by fans people that love this game love the series and boy do i hope we see more of the wonder boy games be remastered like this because this was done so well or maybe even lizard cube i think what i'd like them to do personally is um now move on to something themselves uh if you somehow haven't if you've missed wonder boy dragon's trap is essentially another metroidvania type game go and defeat the dragons um, unlock more powers you basically change into um different animals during the game which have different abilities and move on to the next section it's quite a basic premise really it's a quite a basic metroidvania game as well but it's just so enjoyable relatively short as well um, great graphical style the additions they've added in this remaster is that you can now play as wonder girl which i think is a good addition as well and of course you can there's some sort of secret areas which they've only added to this remaster only where you can unlock some additional trophies i believe but but yeah wonderful wonderful game and I, i'm i'm so happy with this i i actually got it for the xbox one originally but i probably will purchase repurchase it for the switch when they do the physical release next well this year i should say actually because i'm recording this but I, I really can't praise Wonder Boy enough. Um, 
Monster Boy sadly was not released this year, which is the spiritual successor to the Wonder Boy series um, from one of the original creators, I believe, is working on it. But that didn't come out this year, but it's probably for the best anyway. So, but we'll hopefully see that in 2018 because they've held it back, I believe, just to try and tweak the game and uh, make it the best product as basically the best product possible. Uh, but what I did like one of my little the little stories I enjoyed this year was that the developers Lizard Cube and the guys working on Monster Boy were kind of communicating and talking to each other, which is kind of really nice to see that they're both happy for each other that these games are existing let's move on to another remaster metroid samus returns yeah i like this game <laughs> it's pretty much all there is to it i think i've talked about this briefly as well this is one of those rare occasions where i say that metroid 2 on the game boy is a hard cookie to go back to just because it's a massive sprite on a very small screen it's a tough game as well uh and this 3ds game is tough too it's just it's got a bit of difficulty maybe not the strongest metroid game in the series but maybe what i enjoy most about this is uh, i'm i still play my 3ds quite a bit i love metroid type games it is different than the other retro based games whereas this is more of a kind of you know you're hunting for where well, you're basically hunting for metroids you're, you're hunting similar sort of type bosses all the time and it, it just seems like a little, a little bit different from the rest of the series which is always interesting to me i like it when um game series uh, don't always copy the same formula every every single time this game is surprisingly hard as well which didn't even surprise me because nintendo certainly appears to like to kind of you know bring the difficulty down a bit with things but not with metroid no they like this and um they like to ramp this up here and i enjoyed this i really did like this a lot and, and i'm glad it's in the, it seems to be kind of forgotten i know a lot of people are raving that oh where's the switch port you know maybe we'll see that next year but definitely one of the strongest uh, 3ds contenders i don't personally think it's the strongest though um because uh, i think possibly the next one which is a little game that was released on the 3ds called ever oasis was released on 3ds this year now, if you are scratching your head already and thinking, well, what the hell is Ever Oasis? The Ever Oasis was a, uh, a brand new IP released on the 3DS this year, uh, made by the people that I believe worked on the Majora's Mask 3DS game. Uh, so it's got, it definitely has sort of Zelda feeling to it. Um, I was always interested in Ever Oasis, I think from the year before 2016, when it was briefly revealed at E3, like one of those little hidden reveals, a bit like Mac Metroid Samus Returns, where it was kind of in the corner, you know, you didn't really see it, it was just there. And they showed you very little of this game. And all the way up to its release, we, I knew, we knew so little about it. There's very little press, very little information. And this just brought me back to those retro days, uh, back in the day where, you know, we just saw screenshots of games, you know, we just saw those and, and you know, it just made me more excited about it. I didn't know anything about it. And then the game comes out, um, and I think there was quite a lot of exposure when it came out, but I brought it kind of blindly, just thinking, God, you know, what, what is this game? What is it going to be? Uh, we knew a little bit about it. It was supposed to be sort of like a town management game with uh, Zelda themes to it. I guess that's kind of what it is, really. It is you are you are a little cute little sprite, uh, or seedling, as you're called in this game, where you are managing a oasis. You know, residents are coming to your town, and they are they want to set up residence. They want to build house, well, build sort of shops and houses, and you manage these houses. It's got basically resource management in it, but you've also got to venture out into the desert and find new residents and also solve quests and also kind of um you've got an overarching story where you've got to try and like rid the the area of the chaos that's surrounding so yeah kind of like zelda really <laughs> but i just love this game there's so much in it and so much content as well um that's keep you busy in it. and and it starts off maybe a bit misleading a bit where it's quite easy it's so uh, yeah you're thinking oh it's a bit too easy this is a nintendo but 
not too long into it, it does start to become stressful with where your priorities lie. What, what should you be should you be monitoring your resources, or should you be stocking the shops up in your town, or should you be venturing out? So you have to kind of juggle quite a bit actually, and it does become quite stressful. And I quite like that. I quite like it. Just it surprised me basically, and the difficulty, especially the combat difficulty, does ramp up. The combat is very like Zelda, where you can kind of when I say Zelda, I should say like the say Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask type. A combat system where you know you can lock onto enemies and you but you've got different weapons you can use you know like a boomerang type things sort of swords made out of leaves which i just love i love the design of this game as well just it's very cute cuddly design and um, and there's there's also you can take out a party of two uh, two additional people with you as well and you can play as them as well which is fantastic and this is a 3ds game guys 3ds game that lets you switch between party members and um, play as them and these playable characters have different abilities as well, which do different things in some of the mini dungeons. So much content. Um, Ever Oasis is probably my favourite surprise of the year, I think. And I was very happy with this game. And, um, and well, you know, if we see a sequel, maybe they'll come out on the Switch. We'll see. And, of course, we mentioned about this game briefly, which is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Uh, I did enjoy this game. Though maybe this is where I get a little bit controversial, because I'm always a bit scared talking about this, really. Because uh, Hell Hellblade obviously likes to sell itself very heavily on the mental health side of things which i completely respect but what sold me more on hellblade was actually the norse mythology side <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't help but play through the game and thinking I'm, it's, it's, it's funny how they sort of sold it more on the mental health um, and less on the norse whereas it feels like maybe they should have you know promoted more the norse mythology and the mental health thing was just there there's something you just discovered yourself but again People get. I know people are quite sort of um, passionate about this sort of areas, and I feel it's nice to see that uh, certainly Ninja Theory promoted it quite heavily. That people play this game and they enjoyed it, um, and it, it's something that spoke to them very deeply because of mental health issues. I guess uh, maybe it's maybe this is because it has conflicted with me a bit as someone that has had a bit of a mentally difficult year as well, and I felt Hellblade didn't really speak to me personally but oh well but that's fine that's just me i'm not angry at it i still enjoyed the game um, i enjoyed it just more because i love the design of it i just thought i love that kind of it was like a dark norse because you know we had this is the same year we had a uh, four ragnarok that makes um, norse things look pretty and colorful and uh, funny and, and then you got here um hellblade that just makes everything look just dark depressing and oh everything just you know, bones and oh all and that they're sort of the the depiction of i guess the the underworld there is mate is just great um but yeah hellblade good game um recommend it and again nice you know, good length uh, good price what more do you want all right let's now move on to life is strange before the storm which again i should mention again i've, I've really bigged up all of these games and said how amazing they all are but this might be where i kind of bring it down a bit maybe talk about something that i wasn't so fond of so much but i think the problem is is that um and the reason i got to say this is most games that i buy i buy with the kind of the intention of liking and maybe i bring my expectations up more for these games so i don't play a lot of games that i would consider bad but life is strange is the uh, before the storm the episodic game that was released it was probably more the one that maybe disappointed me the most maybe but then again maybe not because i wasn't expecting a lot from it I, I purchased it in a sale towards the end of the year in fact before the series had even finished which is something i also find a bit weird really about games you know <laughs> where there's something like the telltale games yeah where they're kind of like they're to put him on sale before they've even released all of the episodes but yeah oh well whatever um yeah before the storm is a it's i think it's something that will conflict some people depending on you i feel the best way to play life is strange before the storm is with somebody else in the room essentially so i played through this game with my partner and um she likes she loved loved life is strange and uh, me too 
really liked that game thought it was brilliant thought it was different um enjoyed the story enjoyed the mechanics in that game uh so made sense that we would get life is strange before the storm uh when we play through games like this and the telltale games we're usually conflicted on the choices so what we generally do is um, one of us is controlling the game or one of us is making the decisions and but usually that never happens because we usually both argue about decisions <laughs> that we're going to make and i think that's part of the fun of these games actually and that certainly happened with before the storm before the storm is fine i think it's okay as a game um but it's you know it, it it doesn't have that um i don't i don't think it's the the, the emotional moments aren't as hard hitting as life is strange the first game in the, in the series this just feels like a nice little guess compliment to that series i i would say if you find this game cheap it's worth picking up but it doesn't have the same mechanics they attempt to put similar mechanics in they try to do this like debate mechanic which i just felt fell really flat i felt the story wasn't amazing i particularly episode three i thought the climax and the the overall arching story just didn't um, have as much weight to it as the first game as well again a lot of it is really you're going to compare it to the first game if you can overlook that and you can look at it and just sort of enjoy it for what it is there's probably something to like about it but for me it just felt you know just filler really <laughs> i guess it's pretty good but that's that being said i think if i played this by myself i would have hated this game but if playing it with someone else uh, does bring up some interesting conversations because you might debate about some of the topics they talk about in here it might bring up some uh, nostalgic conversations about high school for you or you know for over here for me it was secondary school or sick form and um you know about maybe how you would have reacted in those days when you were that age of course if you are that age now you have a different different term um, conversation but this is a, a fun game to play what these sort of telltale games and story-based games are fun to play with people in the room i think and they're great entry-level games if you're trying to get maybe your partner into gaming as well because there's not much the not much skill that's involved playing them moving on to a game though i did really really like uh, a lot and i don't think a lot of people talk about this is a little game called, <laughs> a little game called little nightmares little nightmares that was from namco, namco bandai um this silently came out this year this is kind of like my i guess limbo type game of the year where i i love this game <laughs> mostly because of its horror design i'm a big fan of horror and you might tell that from how i was ranting about hellblade um i like dark games i like games that do have horror in them or have some form of horror and little nightmares to me felt like um what tim burton would do if he well if tim burton knew how to make video games and also had a better plot <laughs> not to be the harp on tim burton or anything but mostly i think he's okay with his dark tones but he hasn't really been great with it for a long 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 time my opinion <laughs> so send hate mail my way but little nightmares how little nightmares really is just it, it surprised me a lot i love the dark tone of it it, it simply is just this little cute it's not, it's not cute at all a dark looking platformer um with puzzle based things in it like pulling things finding switches finding items um i really don't want to say a lot about it because it sort of spoils what happens but say the characters you meet in this game are grotesque there's like a really fat cook that's hanging around there's a guy with these really long straddly arms and the the, the audio in this game the sound effects it's just it's just it just is full of eerie moments and i absolutely loved it for that another another little short game very cheap i think i brought when i purchased this day one of release with the soundtrack though i was surprised there's much of a soundtrack to it because there's a horror title uh for about 15 pound i believe uh, although the game has released dlc which i really need to look into picking up um because i'd like to play through that uh, that's added a bit more to it but a fun little niche game that maybe some of you might have forgotten about and i'll just gonna throw this in there the most reason i'm gonna throw this in here is just because again i like the 3ds and i play a lot of portable game poochie and yoshi's willy world came out this year i'll be very brief with this one because it was released on the wii already i like this game because i like the graphical style of it and i like the idea of playing it portably the reason i was sold on this game is that my partner loves the amiibos which are these willy yoshis and this game came with a 
a woolly poochie basically so it seemed like a given but um i surprised myself i played through this game um twice actually really enjoyed it um it is basically the full game on the 3ds system and it's fantastic it's a good platformer if you like the yoshi games um so you know yoshi's island from the super nintendo but there has been several iterations since then this is down that street not the hardest game in the world this is a casual platform i'd probably categorize it as but there is it has its moments there are levels in it that do stomp up the difficulty basically if you get all the collectibles you'll unlock a brutally hard level but you really have to work for it to get there but i enjoyed this it's a great little game such a nice if you want like a a game just to relax to this is that game that you want to play on your on your handheld or of course why not just go back and get the wii u game because that's good as well wii u one has a bit more of a draw to it because of course you can play co-op with someone in the room with you which is well worth it which i highly recommend let's move on though um my retro themed game of the year probably would be this little game i mentioned called iron cryptical uh from the developer tiki pod i believe and this is basically Smash TV, as it well in his own words, he says Smash TV meets Bubble Bobble meets um, various other retro influences. But Smash TV is probably the most um, notable one, where you play as like these knights, and you're in this uh, top-down view, and you're going from kind of screen to screen, um, taking out all the enemies in the room, and it has slight roguelike elements to it you can upgrade your abilities get faster and then once you die you gotta go all the way back to the beginning guys right back to the beginning but i just liked it because it had that arcade feel you can play with up to four people if you have four people to play with on your playstation 4 or this is also on pc as well i do hope this comes to switch <laughs> although when i contacted the developer about his games going to switch he didn't seem so keen at this stage but maybe that'll change in the future um great game really enjoyed this um it's, it's just a very a very very cheap title as well i think this is just around seven pounds still brand new as well so well worth it i think um yeah if you just want something just a quick i, I always say that with games like this a quick game but there never is a quick game is there because you're always gonna play a few aren't you you're just gonna go back go again go just one more go one more go get that score higher do a little bit better get a bit further but really enjoy this game um ton of fun um and then two more we're nearly there guys uh let's move on to horizon zero dawn which uh i guess is my zelda breath of the wild for the year because i didn't play zelda breath of the wild but i enjoyed this i wasn't massively sold on the story um it was okay i didn't i didn't i i, I like the idea of it basically this post-apocalyptic setting with dinosaurs running around but even when i saw its reveal i was sort of scratching my head about it i guess a lot of it is that the story delivery of the game isn't great the voice acting isn't amazing but boy, is the gameplay fun. This game is so much fun, and especially since I've been kind of criticizing sandbox games in this own in this podcast i loved the horizon zero dawn i kept coming back to this and i kept wanting to do more i guess it it just felt i don't know it's something about it, it had that um, you know just do a bit more mentality to it the the sandbox missions um didn't feel drawn out or boring like the climbing the radio tower type thing was different it's not like in far cry where it's got to climb uh, so far up and then just to get you know just to switch on a radio tower and this it felt a bit more fun it felt different each time um there was the, the missions were fun in this and i really enjoyed doing it um each of the sort of the mini missions too and uh, i enjoyed the design and the world i loved the creatures and that there was again there wasn't one way to do things you could really solve problems your own way in this you could take down these giant mechanical dinosaurs how you wanted and it was fun uh, it just kept me coming back for more i really couldn't say more so i can't praise this game enough um yep the story's 
okay, but gameplay's great. And uh, but not really much more to say about it because I think a lot of people probably raved, raved about Horizon Zero Dawn more than anything. But finally, I will take a moment to rave about one game because this is my last entry and possibly my game of the year, which was a late entry because Fred purchased this for me, which was Resident Evil 7. Boy, was I a skeptic of this game, much like the Nintendo Switch. I was not sold on Resident Evil 7, um, which is to my own fault, really. I just... the um, the this first person did put me off. I had played the E3 demo. I didn't like it at all. It just... I was worried, let's just say that. It, it sort of felt to me that this was something like Outlast, which is a game I just... I didn't, I didn't get massively hooked on, uh, which is weird for me because I really, really liked Alien Isolation. I love that game. But I just... I wasn't looking forward to maybe Resident Evil doing that style of game, you know, where it's basically stealth-based. You know, you've got to kind of hide from your enemies more than you attack them. I've never been more happy to be proved wrong with this game. Um, and I, as I messaged Fred about this, where I said it's a game that feels so different for the series, yet so familiar as well. Where it, so the first person thing is actually fine. And if that is something that has put you off and you have and you are a fan of the Resident Evil series, then I really encourage you to give it a chance, really, because you will be quite surprised. It, it feels somehow appropriate even the movement somehow it feels like the original resident evil games like with the you know like the tank control style except the the, the movement is much easier of course than the tank controls <laughs> but it, it sort of feels like those games in a way where it feels sort of stilted maybe and it you know and even like the running sort of remind right the running running reminds me a bit of that too of the original the game i don't know what it is it's just something like the feel of it um uh, I love the length of this game. Again, this game is not very long, but it re replay value is amazing. You want to go back and play this game again and again and again. Um, I haven't. Um, I've only replayed it once so far, but I went. I was because I was concentrating on the DLC because it was the gold edition I had. So there's like the not a hero DLC and the. Um, end of zoe dlc as well uh, which i enjoyed those as well uh, a lot and this this is my i just i just feel this is just such a nice surprise that had almost weird um horror was fantastic in it i like the fact that they they did kind of like they went back to the roots of the resident evil series where they concentrated on making enemy encounters matter um maybe even less so than the previous games or even less enemies but the when you have enemies here they're sort of significant um it really feels there's so much good I can say about this game. I, I love the story. I love the delivery of it. I love the fact it's Resident Evil, but it's different in all the right ways, though. It's a new setting. Maybe my only criticism of it is that I didn't like it's linking it to the rest of the series, um, which is, but that's just a personal gripe. I kind of wish that this was just a brand new thing. It, it kind of made me feel have vibes of um, Resident Evil 4, and that's actually my same criticisms of Resident Evil 4, actually, where it's, I love Resident Evil 4 for being this brand new, kind of different setting, you know, different control style, different um, way of going through the game, and then they link it to the rest of the series. I thought, Oh, we didn't we didn't really need that, but <laughs> but I love the fact that Seven um, had you starting as this brand new protagonist, very vulnerable protagonist as well. You know, very fragile too. But you we weren't this sort of experienced veteran um, for one of the previous titles that had gone through all this before. I liked it felt like the enemies, their movement of them was appropriately staggered, so your know, shots wouldn't always always connect. You really had to make your shots count as well. You know, ammo and health were scarce um, in all the right ways as well. Um, and just just so memorable and just so much fun. The only thing that makes me a little bit sad about this game is that Capcom, being 
the Capcom the way they are had massive expectations games. I believe they expect this game to sell over 10 million copies, which is crazy. I don't, again, why do these developers come up with these crazy targets when the game's already sold pretty well, as far as I'm aware? It's done very well for them. And of course, they've had the um, they had you can play this thing entirely in VR. I don't care. <laughs> I've said, said that before, and I don't think I'll ever will play it. I, I no, <laughs> I don't need to play this game in VR. And I, despite people can probably debate with me all they want though, but I don't. I, it's not because of the scare factors. I just don't like the idea of it in VR. Um, I, I get quite engrossed in games anyway, even if it's on a TV. I get really into it, um, so I, I, it's, it might as well just be VR to me personally. But Resident Evil 7 is fantastic. Um, I could not thank Fred enough for um, purchasing this game for me. I was going to get it anyway. Um, I was quite soon. I was just waiting for it to be on sale or something. But no, Fred, um, overall that he gave me a copy. I love the game. It's fantastic. It probably is my game of the year. I think, um, but. All of those other games that I've mentioned are so, certainly worthy contenders. It's funny because I was actually thinking, I thought I might be a bit more negative than that. Um, I think the only one I was really negative about is Life is Strange, but even that, like I said, if if that's the type of game you're into, you know, you enjoy it, you know. And that's the thing that's great about 2017 overall, guys, is that there is something for everybody. If you're a multiplayer gamer, PC gamer, if you're a retro gamer, as um, Fred's talked about, there's so many things to be happy about. And there's always things to be looking forward to. Yeah, it sometimes seems like the world of gaming can be a bit dark, depressing place. And certainly, depending on what news outlets you go to, where a lot of the negativity is promoted more than the positives, there's always good things happening. And if, if bad things are being reported in the news it just means there's an opportunity for someone else to counteract and do something good in the game industry so there's always something to look forward to and hey you know what if, if there isn't anything to look forward to we can talk about the past because that's what we do right here on gaming history 101 with that guys um, i will leave you to it because uh, i've been rambling on long enough about uh, my reflection on 2017 i hope you've enjoyed this short podcast i this was kind of a unscripted thing so i have just kind of waffled off of the cuff but i do have more work coming Coming in the future um, original stuff so that is to look forward to I'm not going to spoil it just yet because I'm um, going to kind of iron out how I'm going to release it but coming very soon we'll say anyway I hope you had a fantastic holiday season I wish you all the best for your 2018 Yo, hope it all goes well and I will see you very soon um, and as for me actually I'll, I'll, I'll sign out with have a mad one take care <laughs>